Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. It's July in Hollywood, so if you hear a big boom, it's because people <laughs> light off fireworks from June until August. Yeah. Pretty They're still much. going. They're going strong. Saturday was crazy by me. Oh, yeah, me too. It was like, wow. There was like finales. I know. <laughs> no, I'm, but like this year, like, look, okay, I was a fireworks truther for like a minute. I know Desi wasn't, but like, <laughs> I've been going a little stir crazy the past four months. So, look, I've been getting into some conspiracy theories. It was a pretty uh, innocuous one. Like it wasn't. Are the fireworks a psyop? <laughs> anyway, the reason I was convinced that they were a psyop is because they're extra loud this year, at least in my neighborhood. Like, but could it just be that it's so quiet lately? No, they sound like like huge bombs going off right outside my window. Okay, I'm just saying that's why. Right, Desi's very not. Conspiracy about the fireworks. She's like, you're just misremembering that every year it happens. Yes. Regardless, we have a lot of fireworks this time of year. It was excessive on Saturday. Yes. So I do feel like there's some tie-in to quarantine that people are like, yeah, right, getting out their angst in some. They're way. antsy, yeah. for some action. Yeah. And you know why you might be right, Desi, is because Wally texted me on the 3rd, and he's like, hey, you want to light off some fireworks together? And I was like, Wally, are you one of the people lighting? I was like, no, that is so annoying. It's been so annoying. It no. was people who had never done it before were doing it. I think just a lot of people have been doing it. It seemed extreme this year. Like, on my street, people were doing it, and yeah. normally I don't see anyone doing it. They're just on the next street over. The, there we go. Yeah. There we go. So, I don't know. We'll see. Well, I don't like the noise ones. I like when they have the sparkle. I like the sparkle ones too. Like I don't get just the noise. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Right. Is that a guy thing? Yeah. I the don't guys know. like to blow shit up. Yeah. Maybe. Like, well, just like the sound. Like if <laughs> Wait, I'm not there's getting ones that are just sound. Yes. Yes. And they're no so annoying. Color. They're just sound. They're just like pop, 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 like firecrackers going off in the street, or like booms with no fucking sparkle. And these are all like grown ass adults doing this. Of course. Oh Just God. annoying. Okay. Yeah, I'm not into it. I'm, I'm over it. All right. Well, let's thank some people we do like. And that is the people that donated to our Patreon. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Just uploaded some new bonus episodes there last week. Yeah. A couple days ago. I have a good one for this month. Oh, you do? I have a good one for... I have a good mysteries and macabre for next time. Okay, cool. That I want to do. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, this week we had Jillian, Taylor, Amy, Hannah, Shannon, Ricardo, Erica, Chris, Jenny, Daniel, Rachel, Kate, 
Christina, Jessica, Angela, Rory, Linda, Riley, Trix, Sion, Carmen, Martika, Jen, <gasps> the and Martika. <laughs> okay, let's stop. <laughs> Jen and Tyler. Now we can go back to Martika. <laughs> Please, is Martika. This, is this <laughs> twin 19, soldier? <laughs> is this Mar- the same Martika that sang the 1989? epic toy soldiers please email us because desi and i love that song it's such a good one it's so uh it's a like forgotten classic i used to listen to that song when i was like doing drugs alone in my room when i was a teenager Uh it was a very dramatic (laughs) song it's so dramatic yeah yeah i love it if martika listened to our show and like lose it I'm just glad that someone with the name Martika listens That's true. to our it's show. It's a cool name. I love Absolutely. that name. Okay. Well, Desi, let's go way back into time. We're not in the 1980s. We're going <laughs> to the 1880s. Ooh. Pre-Hollywood Los Angeles. Okay. I don't even remember how I stumbled across this story. Yeah. It's obviously very obscure because it's like over 100 years ago. Yeah. And let's just start from the beginning. On October 9th, 1887, Charles Harlan's wife, Mary, filed a missing persons report with the LAPD. Her husband had been missing for three days. Prior to calling the police, Mary Harlan had searched for her husband with friends, as it wasn't entirely unusual for him to have been absent from their home for days at a time, given that he was a gambling addict. Mary also noted to the police that her husband often carried large sums of cash on him. Mm. Probably because he was out gambling. At the Hustler Club. (laughs) This is pre-Hustler Club. It was actually a place downtown. It was somebody's billiards place. Okay. And it was like above a dry goods shop. That's so 1800s. Everything everything was above a feed store in the 1800s. A dry goods. Yes. Yes. Or a feed store. Okay. All of every every shop was dry goods, feed store, maybe men's pants or general, <laughs> general, or general, store. <laughs> general store, general store too, with like a horseshoe out front. Look, we've seen old western towns and movies. <laughs> <laughs> We're very educated on these matters. Absolutely. Police Chief Darcy wondered if Mary's husband could be the man whose remains were discovered in a barn in Compton a couple days earlier on the morning of October 7th. This man had been discovered after clearing out the barn that had been on fire. They went through the remain, like the charred remnants of this barn. They're like, there's a man in here. I'm just still stuck on barn in Compton. <laughs> oh, Compton was was like farm farmland yeah most of los angeles yeah like orange groves and farmland walnut trees mm-hmm. there were walnut trees there were eucalyptus trees yeah uh most of los angeles was very rural yeah at this time now the body had been burned beyond recognition though a patch of distinctive silk clothing still clung to his skin they could actually see like oh this guy was wearing a black vest with like a white silk shirt It was like just this patch of clothing was still clinging to him. The hands and the feet of the body had both been burned off. There were just stumps left behind. Part of the back of the skull had been burned away, and the medical examiner's report described the brain as having been partially burnt to a cinder, and the other part that wasn't burnt to a crisp the newspaper or the medical examiner described it as, quote, roasted without being discolored. 
Very specific. They said roasted. Roasted. <laughs> Sorry. Now, Debbie, I used a lot of newspaper articles right. for this. Fortunately, the papers covered this case a lot, so there was a lot to go on. A lot of LA Times articles, a lot of Los Angeles Herald articles from uh, 1887 and 1888. But I also found a book on the subject, and it is called She-Devil in the City of Angels, and it is by Kara Anzialotti. She-Devil. Yes. She-Devil in the City of Angels, Gender Violence, and the Hattie Wolstein Murder Case in Victoria-era Los Angeles. Nice. Good title. Yeah. So those are my two main sources, newspapers and that book. All right, let's get back to this burnt body. burnt body. Only a few teeth had sustained damage from the fire. The positioning of the body, laying face down with an arm folded underneath, indicated that the man had not been dead for very long before being set on fire. They figured that, oh, since he had was laying in some kind of a like a bent position like his body was able like they were like oh he was like he fell to the ground and his arm folded under him right so it wasn't like he was transported yes for a long distance to this barn they were like he was probably killed here right because rigor mortis hadn't set in before he was burnt it's wild how you can be burnt beyond recognition but still have sort of visible things do you know what i mean like i agree like why didn't that burn yeah the shirt was still there like that make, makes zero sense to me. Like right. if you're burnt beyond recognition. Like a lot of his clothing was still there. It was like identifiable. There were distinct patterns on the clothes. Yeah. Like they were, there were his cuff link buttons were still there. Yeah. It's um, just interesting. I agree. I was thinking that too. Now, after reviewing dental work as well as the clothing on the corpse, the body was positively identified as Mary Harlan's husband, Dr. Charles Harlan, who was a 33-year-old man and a prominent dentist in Los Angeles. Now, like I said before about identifying the clothing, they went to tailors around downtown LA or Los Angeles, and they're like, do you recognize this? And like, oh, yes, I made this for Dr. Charles Harlan, custom made. And of course, the... His, you know, the the dental like partner that worked with him was like, yeah, that's his jaw, right? That's his. I yeah. did that. I did that work. Oh, interesting. Him. It's like early dental recognition. Absolutely. Like, yeah. Doctor Harlan had been shot in the head, and a medical examiner determined that there had been a struggle before his death due to the extensive bruising found on the body. The shape and the size of the bruising suggested he had been struck with a hammer. There was also a deep cut on his chest believed to have been made with a knife. After death, the body was doused in kerosene and set on fire inside the barn. Investigators at the scene discovered a smear of blood on a nearby tree trunk that appeared to have been made by a hand. Harlan was last seen alive on foot near his office downtown at around 7.30 p.m. The barn had been ablaze with Dr. Harlan's body inside of it at 11.30 p.m. Now, police were puzzled as to how the doctor could have made it to Compton and been murdered by 11.30 p.m. when there was no train running that time, and they couldn't find a record of him renting a buggy. Hmm. So they're like, how'd he get there? Yeah. Couldn't have walked there. Who took him there? Who was, yeah. he, who was he with? Because he didn't rent the buggy. Hold up. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. He also uh, had no reason to be in that area of town, the police thought. And the woman who owned the barn said she didn't know him. An acquaintance of Harlan told the Los Angeles Herald that the doctor had recently won $400 and a gold watch and and chain at a poker game on Spring Street above a dry goods store on the weekend before his murder. The acquaintance suggested that maybe Harlan had been murdered by the man that he beat at poker. He said that while Harlan would have never left town with a stranger for no reason, he would have always been down to play another game of poker with them. Perhaps a dispute had occurred during the game, resulting in Dr. Harlan's murder, and his body was then transported to Compton to be set on fire. Dr. Harlan had also been under police investigation before his death for running a skin game. Ooh. Do you know what that is? No. That's basically like when you and another poker player team up together to cheat the other player. Okay. They're like, we're going to... We're going to be in cahoots and then split the pot. Right. Got it. So he was like running these games a lot. So that probably creates some enemies. Absolutely. But on October 13th, 1887, a suspect was arrested. It was 21-year-old Hattie Wolstein. Hattie had moved to Los Angeles from Peoria, Illinois with her sister Minnie a year prior after they had gotten in trouble for stealing a gold watch. Now their dad was able to like pay the pay for the watch and they were like all right he's like all right you ladies you know hattie and minnie (laughs) hattie and minnie i love you i love like the dad was like so like it seems like he was so protective of them he was just like oh oh sweeties i'll pay for it now you run along now so they had to leave Los or they had to leave peoria illinois um they made their money while traveling cross country and while in los angeles from pawning jewelry where'd they get the jewelry (laughs) Well, in July of of 1886, the sisters were caught trying to pawn stolen jewelry in San Francisco, but they were able to avoid charges after they broke down sobbing to the police saying that they were hungry and just needed money to go back home to Peoria. I love criminal female criminals from this time. Because it's <laughs> this is so white woman tears. <laughs> This is so like it's such a it's so it's it's so ballsy to me though to to have a female criminal during this period where no one's expecting anything of them really in a negative way. Do you oh, know what I mean? Well, like, that's actually the one of I mean that's like something that's talked about a lot at length in the She Devil book is how is basically gender during uh, the Victorian era, specifically in Los Angeles, about how women were thought of to be these chaste. Yeah. Pure, incapable of wrongdoing. And if they were accused of doing something wrong, there had to have been an explanation for it. Right. It, I just think like it must have been a great time if you were like a little bit of a hellcat, like getting away with shit. <laughs> <laughs> 
if you could. Yeah. Now, the sisters were gifted train tickets. Like, the cops were like, okay, here's some train tickets back to Illinois. Yeah. They were let go, but they cashed the tickets in, got some money, and headed back to Los Angeles. Yeah. Expert scammers. Yeah, scam. The Wolstein sisters got jobs working as maids for a short period of time, where and they lived with these wealthy families who employed them. And though the sisters had limited funds, they were somehow able to live like women about town. They were real Anna Delvies of yeah, their, it of sounds their like day. It. They were eating at nice restaurants. They were going on buggy rides. They were attending the <laughs> theater. I don't know how much a buggy ride costed. It it probably was a lot. Yeah, it was a whole eighteen cents. <laughs> That was like five hours of work. (laughs) (laughs) They were living in a boarding house downtown when they met Dr. Harlan in January of 1887. Hattie had told Harlan that her father was a cattle king back in Illinois. Not true. Yeah. He was a bricklayer. (sighs) He was... No, Dr. Harlan was under the assumption that Hattie actually had a lot more money than she really had, but she hardly had any. Yeah. It's speculated as to whether or not Hattie and her sister's various gentlemen callers were helping them. Uh, It's also speculated maybe they did sex work on the side, but they were able to sort of just coast along downtown Los Angeles, getting into restaurants. They probably stole from their employers too, right? That's a good point. Like maybe here and there. The wealthy families? Yeah. Yeah, Maybe they wouldn't have noticed it. Yeah. Now, Hattie had her eye on a property in Compton that she wanted to buy, and she had even told the seller that money was no object. Ooh. Clearly a lie. Dr. Harlan and Hattie at this time struck up a romantic and sexual relationship, (gasps) and eventually they became engaged. Now, they had actually met at his dental office. Wait, he's married though, right? Yes, Desi, he is married. (laughs) What? (laughs) It was unheard of. <laughs> so she had gone to the office to get some dental work done. Okay. And he's like, I like your mouth. Yeah. I like your style. <laughs> this is a nice molar. <laughs> that is like the least hot place to meet someone. When they're like in your mouth? Yeah. They're not in your mouth in a good way. They're in your no. mouth in a disgusting way. Like poking things. Scraping, like even what is dentistry back then? Oh my god, it must have been so crude. And did like, they even know about germs then? I think they were like just <laughs> figuring out about germs then. Yeah, I, I'm just saying, even the techniques must have been like kind of brutal. It was like rusty pliers. Yeah, they're like, well, we're just gonna give you some whiskey here. Yeah, take a shot of whiskey and bite down on this wallet. <laughs> like, <laughs> On one side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was their techniques. You got whiskey. I've seen Civil War movies. <laughs> this Desi, this is not the Civil War era. This is Victorian era. I know, but it's a similar technique still where you have to bite the they, wallet they, and drink whiskey yes. when you're getting amputated. <laughs> right. That's not true. much has changed. <laughs> <laughs> now, according to Hattie and her sister, they had no idea... That Harlan was married. Oh. They had no clue. They were like, oh, this hot dentist, older man, he was like in his early 30s, she's 21. Honestly, in those days, don't you have to kind of assume someone that age is married? Right, or you're like, what's wrong with them? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's different now, but back then, a guy was probably married. If he was a professional man, 
I'm just saying the likelihood was, I think they were conveniently not asking questions. I, in no, my Patty really was in love with this guy. Okay. She did not know that he was married. Minnie was a little more suspicious of him. Okay. The sister. Harlan was known to his guy friends at the poker games for being a slut. Oh. Like he was known around town for being a Is slut. Is he hot? I couldn't, I well, I didn't really search that hard, but like I didn't see any pictures of him. He had like a mustache and sometimes wore a cowboy hat. Okay. So, I mean, that could be hot or it, very bad. It, <laughs> it's one be, or the other. It could be very hot or very bad. And we don't know what a 33-year-old looked like back then. They could look 83. Yeah. He could be like old Sam Elliott. Right. Which would still be hot. (laughs) (laughs) And he was very braggadocious about his sexual escapades at these poker games. Really? Like he would probably get drunk and just be like, yeah, I fucked this girl with a big old bustle. Seriously, I want to know what braggadocio is back then. Like even the most tame thing, like and I, she, I licked her ankle. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of disgusting. <laughs> but what's like? I want to know what bragging back then would be. Yeah, I want to hear chaste sexual braggadocio. Well, he did say he did brag about Hattie when he started hooking up with her, and he said that she was the finest chippy. 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 Now a chippy, according to. Kara Anzialotti, the author of She Devil, is was a woman who basically used sex to get stuff. Oh. Like a woman you had sex with and you would take her to the theater and right. take her to the restaurants and whatever. That's sort of a weird thing to call your fiance. <laughs> They're not. En- they're not engaged. I thought you said they were engaged. Well, not not at this point. Oh, not at this. Point. Not at this point. Okay, okay. He just started fucking her. Okay, so eventually they plan on getting engaged yes. or something. Hattie had been seen in Compton with Dr. Harlan the day before the murder on Thursday, October 5th. This is also the last day that his wife, Mary, had seen him. Now, they were together, Mary and Dr. Harlan, they were together that morning. They actually had gone down to like a lawyer's office to sign some papers because Harlan was like, oh, I'm selling some property to this girl, Hattie. Okay. So Mary Harlan knew about Hattie, but only like, oh, they're business. They're doing business right. together. She's buying a property and he's helping her. With the papers. Yeah, with some papers. According to Harlan's gambling friends, Hattie and Harlan had been seen together on the day of the murder. And it was confirmed that Hattie had rented the buggy Okay. that day. Hattie's housemates at the boarding house recall her arriving home at around 3 a.m. in the early morning hours the night of Harlan's death. I mean, things are adding up here. (laughs) At her initial questioning, Hattie told the police that, yes, she was an acquaintance of Harlan and that she and her sister had met him a couple of months prior when they went to get their teeth filled by him at his office. Hattie said that she had no idea he was even married until a few days ago. Hattie's sister, Minnie, was also arrested when police found a diamond ring that had belonged to Harlan in her possession. Hattie admitted to giving her sister the ring, and she had said that she had buried Harlan's watch and gun. Okay. She had taken $10 cash that he had on him for herself. I mean, he's not going to use it. No. (laughs) What's the point? Minnie was never charged, and she was released from custody not long after she was arrested because she had a really good alibi 
for the night of the murder. Okay. And she was like, no, my sister just gave me this diamond ring. I didn't like take it off his body. Yeah. Hattie would go on to make several conflicting statements to the police. Her first being that Harlan had driven her home in a buggy on Sunday night. And that was that. They didn't go to Compton. She's like, well, yeah, I saw him Sunday. I rented Mm -hmm. the buggy. That was the last I saw of him. And that she didn't know anything about his death. But when pressed by police chief Darcy, she said that while in the buggy on the way to Compton the day of his death, that she was heartbroken and furious and yelling at him because she had just found out that he was married. Okay. He pleaded with her to go with him to Denver, and she said no. She said that in a fit of despair, Harlan shot himself because she said, no, I won't go to Denver with you. Oh, Hattie said that she was afraid of being accused of killing him, so she drove him to the barn and set it on fire with him in it. But Chief Darcy asked how it was possible for right-handed Dr. Harlan to have shot himself above the left ear. Hattie caved in and told a new story. This time, Hattie said that upon hearing Harlan was married, he promised her that he would get a divorce and marry her instead. Famous last words, right? But on the ride to Compton, he began waffling on the deal, so she shot him in the heat of passion. Hattie was arraigned and charged with murder. She entered a plea deal of not or entered a plea of not guilty, and after she was taken to her cell, Hattie asked to use the bathroom. Meanwhile, her sister Minnie had been allowed to accompany her during this whole ordeal. Like she was being held, Hattie was being held at Chief Darcy's office. Okay. Um, Hattie was taking a while in the bathroom and this concerned Minnie. She called out to the police to check on her sister. She was afraid that she had killed herself. When they busted open the stall to the toilet, Hattie was lying unconscious. She had tried to kill herself by drinking chloroform. (gasps) She had smuggled it in with her. She had a vial of chloroform. I didn't know you could drink that. I guess that's why you die. Yeah. Doctors rushed over and they injected her with quinine and whiskey, as well as administered some kind of electric shock therapy to revive her. This sounds medically sound. (laughs) Quinine and whiskey, that's like a cocktail. They they injected her with whiskey? (laughs) Yes, Desi. Why? That seems like it would kill her more. Yeah. Maybe it's like to, maybe because chloroform knocks you out, right? But whiskey doesn't... Yeah, not, I don't know. I was trying to go somewhere with that, but no. injected her with whiskey. So that doesn't seem like it would revive you. I feel like this is the 1880s. They just use whiskeys for everything. They're, it's like their catch-all. It's, it's like their penicillin. Yeah, that's their <laughs> penicillin, because this is pre-penicillin, right? Uh, yeah, wait. Um, I thought this was going to be a switcheroo with the twins. Oh, they're not twins. Sorry, no. I got excited. No, I was like, ooh, they're going to pretend. And she's going to be like, actually, I'm Minnie. <laughs> You have to let me free. (laughs) According to Minnie Wolstein, Hattie had made attempts before on her own life. When Hattie was revived, she was questioned by Sergeant Jeffries, and she told him yet another version of events. This time she said that Harlan had threatened her with the gun after she refused to go to Denver with him. Then a struggle ensued, and the gun fired by accident, killing him. So all, all of these stories she's telling... It's like they're similar, but there's small details that are changed. Yeah. Basically. They sound like all things that you would think as possibilities if you didn't know what happened. Like none of them are necessarily out of the realm of possibility. Right. <laughs> like if you asked me what are four things that could have happened, I would have said all four of those things. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. 
Despite Hattie's multiple confessions, both the police and the papers had a hard time believing that she could have carried out this murder. In fact, on October 18th, 1887, the Los Angeles Times printed that they were certain that Dr. Harlan was murdered by a man and his name was John Oliver. What? (laughs) (laughs) Not that John Oliver. This was a, they said that this guy was Hattie's cousin from Peoria and that the motive was that he was avenging his cousin for Dr. Harlan stringing her along. John had arrived in Los Angeles. This is all according to the Times. They, they, really, they write this whole article. They're like, this is who did it. And they're certain. They're like, mystery solved. Yeah. That's like so illegal. It's, this article was so illegal and so journalistic malpractice, and I'm an idiot, but I could be, I was like, that seems wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you don't learn that in ethics school. Yeah. Yeah. They were like declaring, they literally said, mystery has been solved. Like, they made this up. That's crazy. They said that John had arrived in Los Angeles sometime in September and had remained mysterious and closed off during his time there, not having any other friends except for Hattie and Minnie, though he was said to have gone to some sporting establishments. The LA Times claimed that Hattie had actually met Harlan back in Peoria in 1885 and that their affair was much longer than Hattie had previously stated. The paper then claimed that when Hattie finally made it to Los Angeles in the spring of 1887, that Harlan had drugged and raped her. This was the honor that cousin John Oliver was defending when he arrived in Los Angeles, according to the Times. The article then went on to say that John confronted Harlan and demanded he make an honest woman out of Hattie by marrying her. He agreed, but later found out that Harlan had been bragging all over town that he had already gotten what he wanted out of Hattie. That's when he decided to murder him. Hattie and Harlan had their buggy ride to Compton, but John Oliver was waiting in the bushes where he ambushed Harlan and shot him. The Times also provided some hypothetical dialogue between Hattie, John, and Harlan during the scuffle and subsequent murder. Amazing. It was was very, you you must pay the rent. I mean, it was... Yeah. It sounded I can like imagine. That, that, they were like, this is the, what was said. And it was so cornball. Police reenactment. Like one of the reenactments. <laughs> this, is an early, hey. this is an early reenactment. Yeah. Amazing. Not only was this account totally false, Hattie and Minnie didn't even have a cousin named John Oliver. What? So they just... That's like crazy that there was no basis in reality. No, none. After a couple of days, John Oliver was never, ever mentioned again in the press, and the story disappeared as if the LA Times had never printed it in the first place. What article? What mystery solved? (laughs) We don't know what you're talking about. We never said that, ever, guys. The papers immediately went back to focusing on Hattie as the lone murderer. In Kara Anzialotti's book, She-Devil, she asserts that in the Victorian era, the thought of a woman being a bloodthirsty murderer was unthinkable, so it wasn't weird to have the press grasping at straws trying to come up with an alternate explanation. Yeah. Just as we talked about in the Lizzie Borden case, like, I don't know, two years ago, that was such a huge sensation because it was like, how could this woman carry out such a brutal crime? There was also the unwritten law of the 19th century, which was that a woman's chastity and purity was to be protected at all costs, and that if that was disrespected, then her honor had a right to be defended. 
But at that same time, the salacious nature of a killer woman was obviously something that was going to dominate the press. Yeah. On October 22nd, the headline in the LA Times read, The Fiendish Murderess at Last Exposed. Hattie was called, quote, one of the most repellent she-devils that ever graced the earth. She doesn't seem that bad. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. This This seems like a very standard murder to me, like... Yeah, like she didn't wear his face as a mask. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you gotta, I mean, I'd be thrilled with she, that description. She didn't, uh, this is a hot description. Yeah. The most repellent she-devil that ever graced the earth. Love it. Quite a title. In the article, it said how Hattie's latest version of events was that she was the one who put the gun to her own head, but during a sc- scuffle, the gun fired at Harlan instead. The Times article reported on Hattie's claim that she had become friendly with the owner of the, of the ranch, which was in Compton, where the barn was located. The woman who owned this ranch and the barn, her name was Mrs. Barbie. She met Hattie and her sister, Minnie, when she had come into the city to stay at the same boarding house where they lived. Hattie was then invited to stay at the ranch, and Dr. Harlan had visited her there before. He was looking to purchase the land at one point. While at the ranch, Hattie found a bond that was worth $1,000. When she told Harlan about it, Hattie says that he said to make sure to swipe it when she dies. Ooh. So this owner of this ranch had like a $1,000 bond, which in 1887, that's That's a lot of of money. And Harlan was like, oh, you should grab that when she dies. Yeah. Take it for yourself. On August 9th, 1887, about two months before Harlan's death, Mrs. Barbie fell ill when Hattie was staying with her. Ooh. The doctor doctor tried to save her, but she died that morning. Other people living at Hattie and Minnie's boarding house immediately accused Hattie of poisoning Mrs. Barbie's tea. Really? Immediately? (laughs) Immediately. They're like, she did it and she poisoned her morning tea. Hattie oh actually God. brought in a sample of of the tea that was made, like the tea leaves, and she's like, see, to be tested, and it wasn't poison. But then, like, the police were like, Police Chief Darcy, like, when he found out about this, he would later say, like, well, they didn't test the actual tea she drank, just the tea leaves. Yeah, see? It's like Alan Dershowitz this week. He's like, if there's no videos of me, <laughs> then clearly I wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. That tweet was like, it was like a drill tweet or something like it. it yeah. Like that proves nothing. First of all, like if there's no videos, that of you. makes him seem way more guilty than if he had just said nothing. It's the tweet that a man who just deleted his videos would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just deleted all his video evidence that he owns. And he's like, see, Look. how about this? Uh, how about we have this little thing? If there are no videos of me, then I am innocent. <laughs> Thank you. Case closed. Sick of being upsold at gyms. My guy, you're currently a base member for $90 more. I can upgrade you to our shred membership for 130 more. You'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach sweat platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. 
In November, while the inquest was going on, the Los Angeles Herald spoke to a total rando from Peoria who didn't personally know the Wolstein sisters, but he was like, oh, I know of them. Oh. They're famous in our town. They don't have a good reputation. Ooh. Hattie was held without bail, and her trial began in April of 1888, and at the time, this was the hot trial. Yeah. Everyone wanted to be at this trial, especially women, because Hattie had a lot of woman supporters who believed that she was being unfairly treated because of her gender. Now, the courtroom was packed. Her defense attorneys were actually paid for by a group of wealthy women who were rooting for Hattie. Oh, they were like, we'll get you your defense team. And she had like two of the best lawyers in town nice. defending her. The defense sought to convince the public that Hattie was the victim in all of this. And that the night of the murder, Harlan had actually attempted to rape her when she, in distress, put the gun to her own head. Then when Harlan was attempting to wrestle the gun away from her, it went off and he was shot dead. So that's the, this is the defense strategy here. Okay. As for Hattie's many differing confessions that she made while in police custody, her lawyers claimed that Chief Darcy had threatened to rape Hattie (gasps) if she she didn't admit her guilt. Whoa. More on that later. Both Hattie and her sister Minnie were dressed in all black at the trial, and they wore black veils over their faces. The father came over from Illinois to support his daughter. The first testimonies came from various residents of Compton who lived near the barn. They all testified to hearing shots fire the night of the 6th and to have seen the blaze of fire shortly thereafter. More than one person testified to having seen Hattie a day before in the area in the company of a man, presumably Dr. Harlan. Others testified to having seen Hattie that summer at Mrs. Barbie's ranch. On April 7th, Harlan's assistant, Dr. Horace Shim, testified. He had last seen Harlan on Wednesday, October 8th, the day before the murder. They had dinner together, and then he left him at the billiard hall. Harlan had told him he was going to see Hattie that night. Following the doctor's murder, Hattie went to his office, Dr. Shim testified. This was when Harlan was presumed missing. He asked her where Harlan was, and she said she didn't know. Dr. Shim testified that he had first met Hattie two or three weeks before the murder and that Harlan had told him he was going to sell her some property in Whittier. Harlan said she was a nice girl. He also bragged to Dr. Shim that he had, quote, seduced her, meaning that he had drugged Hattie and raped her. In fact, Dr. Shim revealed that Dr. Harlan had raped several of his female patients over the years while they were under anesthesia. He had a history of doing this. That's like something that happened recently, too. Like a dentist was doing something like that. Yeah. That's so gross. I know. Minnie testified that she had no idea that Dr. Harlan was married until after the papers reported it after he died. She said that he had once asked her, how would you like for me to be your brother-in-law? Ew. And- <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that disgusting? Yes. <laughs> There's something so perverse about that statement. It's not like hot like stepdad. <laughs> <laughs> brother-in-law. Like there's no brother-in-law porn, is there? <laughs> And she, Minnie told him, I wouldn't because you probably have a wife somewhere else. Oh. She was savvy. She was. She knew. She never liked Harlan. 
In fact, Minnie never approved of her sister's engagement to Harlan, and she just thought he was shady overall. I love Minnie. I do, too. She also testified to how much of a dick Chief Darcy was when she was under questioning. How she had asked for a lawyer, and he freaked out. And he was like, I'm lawyer enough for you. Ew. This cop is a little piggy. Yeah. This cop sucks ass. Now... She also said that the reason that her sister had attempted suicide that night in jail was because Chief Darcy had sexually assaulted (gasps) her. Oh, my God. Chief Darcy had accused Minnie of murdering her sister after she drank the chloroform, and he threatened to strip search her. (gasps) He's like, I'm going to take all your clothes off, and we're going to search for the chloroform on you. Ew. Yeah. Gross. The day that Hattie took the stand to testify, the courtroom was packed. It was the most packed it had been, and this was a very packed trial. She testified that last summer, Dr. Harlan had told her that she needed to be put under anesthesia for a painful dental procedure, and that when she came to, she was lying on a couch and her clothing was soiled. (gasps) With what? I think blood. Ew. Now, the papers, like... Back then, they really more, like, they use different terms for sexual assault. Uh, There's, like, things like... um, Her She was dishonored. Yeah, (laughs) stuff like that. And they use stuff like she was... um, God, I'm slipping my mind right now. But they don't directly say a sex assault. There's certain terms for it that they they use, um, more or less sounding like taken advantage of or her honor taken away from her, like, stuff like that. Um, but they said her, she said her clothing was soiled, um, and that the doctor and the tooth wasn't even gone. Like the procedure, <gasps> At least take the tooth out. <laughs> the, he didn't even do the procedure that yeah. he said he was going to do. He just raped her and then moved, like moved her to the couch and raped her while she was unconscious. <sighs> and he raped her to the point where she bled all over her clothing. Yes. Now, the doctor took her home where she said she felt like shit for a few days. And she said that I wasn't feeling bad in my mouth. I was feeling bad on other parts of my body. Mm. When she saw Dr. Harlan again, she confronted him that he had assaulted her. Hattie said she told him that he had disgraced her. He replied, no, he didn't because they were engaged. Oh. Like, oh, I have a right to your body. Wait, so they were in a relationship when he did this to her? Yes. Oh, shit. For some reason, I thought that that was like the first thing. I mean, he could have done it. Before. And that, that, that he, that they didn't really have a relationship, but they do definitely have a relationship. They're in a yeah. relationship okay. at this point. So he raped her while they were in a relationship. Yes. Were they sexually active? Yes, I think oh, so. I mean, not that I'm making an excuse. I'm just curious what their situation was. I, I don't, I'm not positive, but. That's so sick. Yeah. Yeah. But like, and obviously, according to his colleague, this is who. This is what he does. He's like a George Hodel type. Oh yeah, like a sick doctor. Yeah. Now, um, he yeah. So he says, oh, it doesn't count because we're engaged. On October second, which was a little less than a week before the murder, Hattie said that she saw Harlan out with a strange woman. When she confronted him about it. He was like, mind your business. But she pressed him, and finally he told her, for God's sake, don't get me in any more trouble. It's my wife. Whoa. So that's how she found out that he was married. She saw him with another woman. Yes. Okay. She's like, uh, we're engaged. Why are you? He's like, um, that's my wife, you idiot. 
When Hattie broke down sobbing, asking him why he would deceive her, he said, don't worry, we're going to get a divorce. Like, me and my wife are going to yes. divorce. The next day, Hattie drank chloroform and attempted to end her life. Oh, shit. So that was the first time she drank the chloroform because she had, her husband, her, or her fiance, me, yeah. her fiance was married. Was married. The day after that, on Tuesday, Harlan came by Hattie's place and asked her to go with him to Whittier where they would have lunch. He dropped her off in the evening back at the boarding house. So she's like in the process of like forgiving him or like trying to get like she is he is stringing her along. Yes. Really badly at this point. And she's in, in a completely vulnerable state. She's a sexual assault victim as well as someone who's clearly mentally uh, in turmoil. And he's like emotionally abusive too. He's emotionally yeah. and, and sexually, sexually abusive. Yeah. yeah. Now he dropped her off back at the boarding house. Then they went out the following day to Compton. Then they came back the following day. Hattie purchased a gun. She told the court that she purchased the gun because she was so distraught over Harlan's lies and she wanted to kill herself with the gun. But then he came around again and they went out that evening. And that was the last night that he was alive. Hattie went on to describe the events leading up to Harlan being shot. She told the court that Harlan threw himself on top of her in the barn and she struggled to push him off of her. So Ooh. he attempts to rape her in the again barn. at the barn. So she's struggling. And at this point, while they're struggling, she takes the gun from her pocket. She points it at her chest and she told him that she would rather die than be assaulted by him again. <gasps> Harlan then grabbed the gun and said, my God, Hattie, what are you trying to do? The gun went off three times as they struggled, the final and third shot killing him. In the morning, Hattie said she buried the gun and the watch belonging to Harlan. Hattie also said that the reason that she burned him and didn't tell anyone, she's like, I knew they would accuse me of his murder. I needed to get rid of the body yeah. and the evidence. Hattie then described what occurred while she was in police custody. She said that Chief Darcy drove her out to a field and forced her to get out of the car. This is while she's like supposed to be in police custody, locked up. He takes her out of the lockup, the cell. He drives her out to the middle of nowhere to a field. He forces her to get out of the car. And this is a quote from Hattie. He said he knew I was a felon, but if I would do as he desired, he would let me go. She said that Chief Darcy threw her to the ground and attempted to rape her. Fortunately, she was able to fight him off, and then he got so angry, he just ordered her back into the buggy, and he drove back to the station <gasps> with her, because she was too much of a fighter. Ugh. The trial lasted just a few weeks, and on April 15th, 1888, Hattie Wolstein was found not guilty. Yay! Upon hearing the verdict, Hattie and her father hugged, and cheers of joy rang out throughout the courtroom. Outside of the courtroom, Hattie was met with cheers of support from the big crowd that was waiting outside. Now, the Los Angeles Times article that was published the day of the verdict attempted to excuse Chief Darcy's assault on Hattie. They didn't even deny that the assault happened. They basically said that he was just doing what he thought was right in that moment to solve the case. What? They were like, well, so we, maybe he did rape her or assault her. Yeah. But he was just using his cop skills <laughs> They're like, that's the what cops do. I'm just trying to figure out how, like, it wasn't like he's like, tell me what 
you did, or I'm going to rape you. (laughs) It wasn't like he threatened her to get information. Like I'm trying to figure out how that would have helped the case. He did threaten her to get information. Oh, he did. Yes. He, he's like during the rape part. Yes. He was like, tell me the truth. And if you tell me the truth, I'll let you go. Like he used, he said a couple of different things, Okay, but he was basically, you know, right. Intimidating her and scaring her and threatening her. Now, they, yeah, like I said, the LA Times, they didn't even deny it happened. They just said he was just doing what he's, he had to do. There's as a good cop. cop and bad cop. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like that's. He was okay. the tough cop. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Darcy had been fired when the allegations against him had initially come out before the trial, but the Times said that it shouldn't tarnish the, uh, the fact that he was a good cop and a good man. <laughs> and with a family. They said he has a family not my fault he's a rapist (laughs) the article concluded that no one except dr harlan and hattie really knew what happened that night at the barn so the la times was like yeah well she's free but we don't really know and that cop was just doing what he had to do the newspaper is so bad back then they're really bad. Yeah. They described one of the jewelers that they interviewed as a Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> Look, among the, the other, among the other abundance of racial slurs reading these old newspapers where you're just like taken aback, like, oh my God. Yes. They were like, they, they described this man. I screenshotted it. They were like a he, they were like a Hebrew man who wore a little hat. I am not joking you. <laughs> the funny thing is, you know, that they were trying to be proper and it sounds like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like they were trying to like be more official. Well, he was the only one of the jewelers that they identified that way. The Hebrew. <laughs> <laughs> there was the only, he was the only one because they interviewed all these downtown LA jewelers. Yeah. They weren't like this Hispanic jeweler and like it was no. like the Hebrew. They were like the Hebrew jeweler. Oh my God. Like I laughed. It's funny. But it was horrific. <laughs> uh, the article also went on to say that there had been conspiracy theorists who believed that Dr. Harlan was not even dead at all and that he had faked his own death, maybe to avoid gambling death. But mostly those suspicions disappeared after Hattie had testified. Yeah. And they were like, okay, that makes more sense. But I do think it was interesting that there were truthers. They were Dr. Harlan truthers. Yeah, there's always truthers. No matter what the situation is, you're going to have a truther. There's always someone who doesn't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, the, like the Vianetta conspiracy. <laughs> Briars is targeting me personally, and that's yeah. why they won't bring back Vianetta. And you can see things in their other flavors. <laughs> the, I can see symbols that say, fuck you, Rachel. See fuck this you. swirl in the fudge? <laughs> <laughs> it says FR. See this. Cri- that's fuck Rachel. See this crystals in the freezer burn rum raisin? <laughs> Imagine. They're doing it to fuck with me, Desi. I feel like we have to get this show powerful enough <laughs> where we have a huge <laughs> that we can enough. get Vianetta back. Don't you think? I just wish. Yeah, that's you my only what? goal. That's my goal. Yeah. Fuck, fuck money, fuck prestige. We just want to bring Vianetta back to the American people. Or if we ever allowed to travel again, we have to go to the UK. <sighs> And get, and get Vianetta. Vianetta. We'll just we, like live off of it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to get a hotel room that has like a, a mini fridge. I get, we have to get a mini freezer. Yes. Because I want to like get... We'll, we'll put it on our rider. 
I mean, honestly, what we could do is just every night come back to the hotel with a new Vianetta. I don't think... I think we'll finish it in one sitting. Yeah, They're not right. that big. You're right. For we, two people. Because <laughs> even on. when I was a kid, I ate like... It's I could very eat, like, a small one. loaf. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably each get our own. I feel like at the very least, one would be perfectly fine to split. If we're having one every night, we can split it. Yeah. If it's not, then we each have our own. Can everyone in America please wear a mask, stay inside so Desi and I can travel again (laughs) and go to the UK and get some Viennetta? And you'll also save people. Right. But also the Viennetta. Right. But also the Viennetta. We would love to do that. I feel like that's a good reason. Not for yourself, but for us. Just for us specifically. (laughs) So we could taste it once again. Yeah. That would be fun. Uh, Interesting story. Yeah. I've never heard of it. Yeah. It was interesting. Um, I really do like old timey cases. Yeah, because they always have those fucked up newspaper, like the newspaper story and how they write about it is always a huge part of the case. Absolutely. And I, I kind of feel like the book title made it seem like she was like, you know, like one of the diamond level pussy ladies. No. She, She's like a complete innocent. Yeah. In a way. like Right. Like yeah. she was, this was self-defense. Well, I mean, even she, just in general, she right. doesn't seem like a bad person. Uh, no, other abs- than her little f- theft things or like selling the train ticket, like just kind of minor stuff. Absolutely, she wasn't a monster. That was just how the press had branded her. Yeah, and it went back and forth all the time. Like, oh, she's this sweet little pure thing, right? And then and the next day, the newspapers would print that she was a fiend. Well, it's almost like you just can't win. Right. You know, if you were sweet, then you're pretending and that's even more devilish. Like you're like manipulative. Right. Uh, Yeah. So, so yeah. So looking forward to some pics. Absolutely. So follow us on Instagram. Yeah. And Twitter. Maybe we'll start trying to tweet more. I know. I just like retweet listeners on Twitter. I should, we should actually do some tweets. Maybe we'll try to do some more tweets. Yeah. uh, At something. Maybe we'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but Instagram, definitely. Yeah. We have that figured out. <laughs> we do. If you want a visual on these people. Yeah. I definitely want to see these girls. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. All right. Bye. Bye.